Um, tonight is uh, a really important and special night. It's special for us as a church family, obviously, to be able to celebrate uh, that which is so, so important in the story of God and humanity, that God would send his son um, to change the trajectory of the story, that we as a people, and uh, by that I mean the biggest, most generalized term, people, human beings, that all of us were on a trajectory to darkness and despair, and that God loved us so much that he would send his son to change that trajectory, that he would show us another way. And that's what Christmas is, that's what this season is about. And for us as a church community, uh, to be able to celebrate our first one together is um, so special because it reminds us, I'm reminded tonight, uh, and leading up to tonight, reminded that we are all together uh, a people who have been rescued and saved by grace. And this season reminds us of that, um, that grace took on flesh and blood and bones and skin and came in the form of the Son, Jesus. Um, in the Old Testament, there are these stories and uh, these really strange kind of sayings, writings in the Old Testament that point, uh, they're called prophecies, and they point to this future reality. And some of you, many of you know these prophecies. And especially in this season, during the, the Christmas season, we hear in church or even in media, we hear some of these texts, these ancient texts. And there's, there's one that's really popular. It's Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and it's this prophecy of uh, a future reality. It says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And tonight, we celebrate that reality, that we first, that we needed things to change, that humanity needed the story to change. And what we needed was for God not to be distant or afar, but to be with us. Uh, a number of years ago when I was in middle school, I was a really bad kid. I feel really bad. And uh, I, I was just, I was a mess. I was a bad kid. Only child and uh, didn't have a dad at home. You know, all the stereotypical stuff, right? I was just like, ah. And, uh, I remember getting into a fight with my mom on Christmas Day one year. And I think I was in seventh grade. And I got into this huge fight, and, and this happened pretty regularly, but, but this one time, it was on Christmas Day, my mother and I got into this massive argument about something so dumb, I don't even remember what it was, but I'm like just screaming at the top of my lungs, I'm just yelling at my mom, right? And she's yelling at me, and it's Christmas Day, and it's supposed to be this day full of love and laughter and good cheer and presents and eggnog. And instead, in our home, it's this day full of just vitriol and anger and bitterness, right? We're just yelling at each other. And in my 13-year-old brain, right, I thought the best thing to do on Christmas Day in the middle of this argument was to hop on my bike, which was a regular thing. I would often do this, was to hop on my bike and ride away as far as I could, 
right? <laughs> yeah, other, clearly, others of you know know this story. You've been here before, right? So I hopped on my bike and I rode. We we lived over uh, kind of near the Saratoga area, and I hopped on my bike and I rode up Lawrence Expressway. I don't know if you guys know Lawrence Expressway, but I rode up Lawrence Expressway all the way toward like Stevens Creek and past Stevens Creek and past Homestead. And there's a little street right before El Camino. There's a little street called Lockinver. And I rode all the way to Lockinver. It's actually, if you drive Lawrence Expressway, just it's, it's kind of a ways. And I rode probably for hours, right, to get to this place. It was my friend. My friend Brent lived uh, off of Lockinver Street. So I rode to his house, and I knock on his door, and I'm like, Merry Christmas, right? And, and his parents are like, his mom is like, what is, what, why, why are you here? And it's Christmas Day, right? He's my best friend, and I'm angry at my mom, and I didn't know what else to do. And this is before cell phones and pagers. You have to understand, this isn't as easy as my mom, you know, sending me a text, where are you? This is like back in the day, rotary phones, right? If you, if you weren't home, you weren't going to get a hold of the person. And so my friend Brent, he's, his mom is like, this is not, what are you doing? You got to go home. And I'm like, well, no, it's okay. I told, I, you know, I told my mom I, I was going to, be here, whatever. I was like, you guys are like my second family. I just want to spend Christmas with you, you know, and they're looking at me all crazy. And so I'm there. I'm there at my friend Brent's house for like half a day, maybe longer. My mom is frantic. She's frantically looking for me. I ruined her Christmas, absolutely ruined her Christmas. She finally got a hold of Brent's mom and she drove over. And at this point, it's evening, you know, it's dark and uh, we've lost the entire day. And I'm trembling because I think my mom is just going to She's just going to have at it, right? I'm going to be grounded for decades. (laughs) It's like I'm going to be 52 before I can go out again. And um, so I'm scared, and my mom puts puts me in the car, and clearly she's angry, and she doesn't say anything, which makes it more and more frightening, right? The silence is frightening. And we get home, and uh, and we, we pull up, and we walk into our apartment, and my mom's got food in the kitchen, and she sets out Christmas dinner. And she sits me down after I have ruined her day, after I have completely ruined her Christmas. She sits me down, and the first words she says to me are, Son, I love you. Merry Christmas. And we eat together. And uh, I was thinking about that story this week. Because it cost God something to be with us. Emmanuel isn't cheap, definitely isn't free, and it surely was not easy. It cost God something to be with us. We have ruined and wrecked the story over and over again. And yet, he sends his son, and he says, Son, daughter, I love you. Merry Christmas. There's this passage in Isaiah, another prophecy, and it's one you know. It's Isaiah 53, and it says about Jesus, the son who came, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought you and me, all of us, the punishment that brought us peace, Peace, shalom, wholeness, 
completeness, sonship, and daughtership in the kingdom, in the family of our God. All of that was on him. And it is by his wounds that we are healed. It cost God something for Emmanuel, for him to be with us, to bridge the gap and the chasm and the divide that we could not bridge on our own. This is Emmanuel, God with us. And we need him. We've needed him and we need him still so badly to say to us in the midst of our wreckage and our carnage, our sin, our brokenness, in the middle of all of that mess, we still need him to say, I love you. Merry Christmas. I am with you. Emmanuel. Let me pray. God, our hearts are um, so full of gratitude And uh, we don't deserve you, but we are so grateful that you came. And we would ask, God, that you would continue to come, break into our lives and our stories, break into our world. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Emmanuel. God, come and be with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just want to read kind of a traditional uh, passage that's read. Uh, it's out of Matthew uh, 1, 18 through 23, that at Christmas time. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. You know, I've read that dozens of times and done, had lots of Christmases and Christmas Eves and you know, one of the traditions my family had, my dad would read the Christmas story every Christmas. We'd sit around, you know, before we opened presents. And, and there's something about familiarity that begins to lose its wonder, begins to lose its awe. Uh, and we begin to just accept it as mundane. But if this is true, if it is true that the God of the universe took on flesh and entered the story of humankind, then we should take notice. I mean, you know, one of the things I never noticed before was that God named his son. You know, I've read it so many times and it becomes familiar, but just think about that. God named his son. He took the time and, and there was a particular reason. And I, I began to think about the reasons we name people, you know, and why we give names and all that. And I have three kids. And, uh, you know, the first time we uh, came around to the naming 
reality is we just did with what sounds good. You know, it just sounded nice, and it wasn't really popular yet, but it sounded nice. And it was Ella Marie Ingram. Like, oh, that has a nice ring to it, you know? And then later we looked up what it meant. And Ella means elf, and Marie means bitter. And so she's our little bitter elf. And we're like, huh, well, maybe we should do something different than just if it sounds good, you know, or if it's popular. Maybe it should have something a little bit deeper, a little bit more meaning. And so then uh, my son Ryder came along, and you probably don't know this about me, but I'm actually RBI the third, my initials. My granddad's name is Ralph Brown Ingram Sr. And so thankfully my parents didn't want to name me Ralph or Brown but they wanted to keep the tradition, the heritage, that this family, the initials RBI. And so they named me Ryan Brandon Ingram III. Uh, and, there, and as I was getting close to writers, uh, you know, being born, we're like, our names. Okay, Rufus, you know. There's not, you're like really working on some of these, trying to figure it out. But we were sticking with the RBI because it had that heritage behind it. And I honestly, I mean, I, this is not even a joke. I honestly wanted to name him Rhythm. I was like, dude, I love that name. It got shot down. And I thought it'd be kind of cool, Rhythm and Blues Ingram. I wasn't so, you know. um, God gave me a pretty wise wife and said no. So we went with writer Britton Ingram. And and sometimes you, you name people after great people, people of history, people who have done great things and uh, there's a man named Miles Johnson. You wouldn't know. He's great, but he's great in our family. Um, he's Jenny's great, uh, Jenny's granddad. And Miles uh, was an author, a teacher at Cal Poly, and wrote tons of books, theologian, awesome guy. And never had a, um, never had a son. And so his name was finished with him. And so before he died, it was a really sweet moment. Before he died, uh, we, t- we let him know, hey, we're naming uh, Miles Miles. And it just lit up his face. And literally, the day before he died, he got to meet Miles. And it was just so cool. And he was just so excited, you know, to have his name being passed on. And what I find interesting is God named his son. He took the time to name him Jesus. And yet it wasn't for, because it was popular, you know. Jesus was a popular name, actually, in um, Hebrew, it's Yeshua, which sounds nice, too. It's like, it's a nice-sounding name. It's popular. If it was, you know, AD1 is probably one of the top ten baby names, you know. Um, And it wasn't even because it was of heritage or family name, even though there were a Jesus or Joshua in the family line of Jesus. You can see that in Luke. Or after a great person. And there was, Jay was talking about the history, and there is this grand story that begins all the way from the beginning of God's overwhelming love for his people and for this human race and what lengths he'll go to love them and be with them. And part of that story is this guy named Joshua who took the people of Israel in the desert wandering nomadic land and helped them cross over into the land that he promised them. And he was a great, you know, uh, army, you know, general guy and victorious in battle and some, this Messiah, this anointed one that, this Christ that people were looking towards that had this anticipation of one day would this chosen one come that will really uh, free us. And they always thought it was military. And yet, yet God didn't name him after that guy either. 
It's interesting. God named his son. He said his name will be Jesus. And here's why. Because he'll save his people from their sin. See, God named his son Jesus, or Yeshua, which literally means Yahweh, the Lord God. Yahweh saves. Yahweh, the Lord God, is salvation. His name will be Jesus, not because he's going to copy anyone else, but he's going to be the fulfillment of his name. He is, salvation is here. And he is Jesus. And that is why he is named it, because he is the fulfillment. We talk about this, you know, we're just talking about Emmanuel. That's who he is. He's God with us. He's Jesus, and it reveals why he came. It's not just God with us, but God for us. It's not just God to be around us and, and say, hey, I'll help you, but no, God to save us. God to reach down and rescue us from the deepest, darkest places of our life. I, I love this passage. It's uh, Romans 5, uh, verse 6. And, and here's what it says. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, when, when we were unable to do anything about the situation we were in. See, see, God came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. There is this hunger and longing and deep desire, what I some theologians have called a, a God-shaped hole or vacuum in our soul. That our ultimate design is to be with God. Our ultimate design is to be in relationship with the creator of the universe. And yet sin has broken that, and there's nothing we can do to fix that. And go, well, hang on a second, well, I, I can fix some stuff. Well, well this, is, this is the way it makes sense to me, or at least the way I understand it. Imagine my son, Ryder, was riding his bike in our front yard, which he does from time to time, and he rides his bike, and he just creams into our car and dents up, you know, just real bad, which is probably something he'll do at some point. You know, he's five years old, little boy. And he says, Dad, Dad, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I forgive you. But being sorry didn't, won't pay for fixing the car. And then he's like, okay, dad, dad, I'm, I'm going to go clean my room to, to make up for the car. And, and though it's a really good thing, cleaning his room, it still doesn't pay for the car. In fact, Ryder at his five-year-old stage of life is unable to pay for the car. I have to. There's no way he can do it in and of himself. I have to lay it down. It doesn't matter how many good works or a good intention. It's just, it doesn't matter because there's a place. And what is, what, that's what this verse says. You see, at just the right time when we were powerless, when we were unable to bridge the gap to God and have a relationship with God, God said, no, I'm going to, you can't make it to me on your own, but I will make it to you. Christ died for the ungodly. And then it says this, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man or a person who's right, who does good things. But, but some will dare to die for a good man. 
But God demonstrates his love. He revealed his great love, his overwhelming love for you. While we were yet sinners, while we were lost and far from him, while we were his enemies, while we basically had wanted nothing to do with him and had no heart for him. He said, I still am coming for you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for you and for me. You see, the, the, the amazing truth of Jesus, that God named his son Jesus, his name shall be Jesus Yahweh saves, is that God gave his very best for you and I when we were at our very worst. No strings attached, solely out of love. There's, see, some of us kind of live in this world that God's out to get us, God's down on us, God's against us, and they, the God of the Bible loves you, longs to be with you, and would do whatever it takes, in fact, sacrifice his own life to be with you. His name, his name is Jesus, for he'll save his people from their sin. He'll restore relationship. It's not only God with us, it is God for us and God in us and God to save and heal us. And I, I just invite you, I, uh, I'm just invite you, if you haven't stepped into a relationship with God, and experience life and peace in Christ, I'm just going to pray a little prayer, and it, there's nothing magical or anything about the prayer, but it's just your heart saying to God, God, I long, I long to experience your love and have a relationship with you. And I just encourage you, if, you, if that's where you're at and God's been tugging in your heart, if you would just pray after me and, and promise of Scripture as he says, I will come into your heart and I'll make you new. I, want to, I long to give you life and life to the full. Long to give you the best. And so let me just pray, because there's this invitation to experience a great relationship with the God of the universe. And I'd invite you, if you, that's where you're at, to pray. You just pray in your hearts uh, with me. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. God, I open my heart in my life to you and receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving me and giving me new life, now and forevermore. Would you take control? You know best. If you created everything, you know best. Would you take control of my life and lead me? In Jesus' name, amen.